At Our Father's House, our prayer is that you would be blessed and strengthened by the power of Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Justin. On the screen, I found this the other day. I thought it was pretty interesting. It has absolutely nothing to do with this message, but I thought it was pretty funny. So, so um, Pastor John Carter and Harlan shared this on Facebook a couple weeks ago, and I thought, I'm going to share that on one of these Sunday mornings, so I thought it was pretty cool. It says, 12 reasons why I, as a pastor, have decided to quit attending sporting events. The coach never came to visit me. Every time I went, they asked for money. The people sitting in my row didn't seem very friendly. The seats were very hard. The referees made a decision I didn't agree with. I was sitting with hypocrites. They only came to see what others were wearing. Some games went into overtime, and I was late getting home. The band played some songs I never heard before. The games are scheduled on my only day to sleep in and run errands. My parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. Since I read a book on sports, I feel that I know more than the coaches anyway. <laughs> I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like the best. Why I, as a pastor, have quit attending sporting events. <laughs> ain't that ironic? <laughs> That's pretty interesting, ain't it? How many know you need a fellowship of believers and come to church? Amen. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So, uh, hope I didn't offend nobody, but uh, uh, Daniel chapter 3, I just wanted to read that because I thought it was pretty funny. Daniel chapter 3, again, has nothing to do with the message. Daniel chapter 3, verses, I'm going to still go to sporting events, I'll still come watch the youth play games, but in other words, you need to let some pressure off of other people and just worship together in spirit and truth and get a fire that burns again to come to the house of God. Amen. Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 to 30. Very, very, very popular story. And hopefully we want to bring some things out this morning in Scripture that you can apply to your life and maybe to something you're facing today. Because how many's ever been through a test or trial or problem or temptation, right? We've all been through stuff, uh, but he's a way maker. He is a miracle worker. Amen. Daniel chapter three, verse 13. The Bible says, and Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and, and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you, uh, do you not serve my gods and worship the golden image which I've set up? Now, if you be ready that at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I made? Well, but if you don't worship, you'll be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego answered. I like that they answered collectively. And said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. I mean, O God's able. And he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known to you, O king, will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you set up. Uh, they didn't go in and break out of some big intercession ready to be delivered from the flames. They just said, this is how it's going to be. Uh, 
God's going to deliver us, but even if he does it, we still ain't going to bow to you. And then was that Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace once seven times more than it was wont to be heated. I can't imagine how hot this fire was. You know, I mean, this would have been hotter than melting gold. Like, this would be, I mean, you think an average house fire is probably about 12, probably about 1,200 degrees. And can you imagine seven times hotter than something like that? That it was so hot, as I'm getting ready to read, that it burnt up the people that were throwing them in the fire? Do you realize the significance of this story? Right? Amen. So, um, let me go back here. I lost my place. Verse 20, he commanded, or verse, uh, not, yeah, verse 20. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them in the burning, fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their coats, their hose, and their hats, and other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the, fly, the, flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men in the midst of the fiery furnace? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst. Three fell down bound, four is now loose, walking in the midst of the fire. They answered and said the king, true, O king, right? And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking amidst the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come, come forth and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth from the fire. And the princes, governors, captains, kings, counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel, delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word. Are you willing to go through the fire to change the king's word? Amen. And yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore... I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Their house shall be made a dunghill because there's no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So I want to preach this morning on the subject of there's a fourth man in the fire. Amen. Father, we just thank you for the word this morning. We thank you for God that you are a God of miracles. We invite you in today to do miracles in this house. The greatest miracle we could see today is someone being saved, someone being born again, someone's life being changed, someone being renewed and restored in you, and someone being healed, someone being made whole. So God, we just invite you to do those things today. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that I'll not speak on the enticing, win, uh, enticing words of man's wisdom, but a demonstration of the will and power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would come, minister your word to our hearts, and have your way. Father, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. 
Amen. There's a fourth man in the fire. So let's back up a little bit in Daniel chapter 1. The Bible teaches us that uh, the, uh, that the Jews, the Jewish people, entered into Babylonian captivity. And one of the ways that they demonstrated an enslavement or, or that they had uh, uh, took a people captive or took authority over a land, so on and so forth, was that they would change their name. How I many know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's not their original names, right? It, it was Hananiah, uh, Azariah, and Michelle, right? Hananiah means Jehovah has favored, Right? Michelle means who is what God is, and Azariah means Jehovah has helped. So their names indicate that God has favored them, this is who what God is, and that God has helped them. And listen, because you live in the world, the world wants to put a label on you and try to change your name, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that when you walk in a relationship with God, you're not bound to any label that anyone could ever try to put on you. Right? Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Right? The name Shadrach means the command of Aku, the moon god. Michelle, or Michelle's name was changed to Meshach, which means who is Azaku rather than who is as God. And Azariah's name was changed to Abednego, meaning the servant of Nego or Nebo, the god of science and literature. So they, they try to put a name and a label on them to honor false gods, false idols, and adapt to the culture that surrounded them. Right? But they absolutely refuse to do that. You can call me whatever you want to call me. You can give me whatever title or label that you want to, but my name still says God has helped. This is who, what God is, and I have the favor of God on my life. Amen. So I want to just speak over you today. Don't let anybody or anything try to put a name or label on you that is, does not go through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You may have been an alcoholic, but you're saved. You may have been addicted, but you're delivered, right? You may be unbound by sin, but you're free in Jesus, right? Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? So we got to take these labels off, and sometimes you have to go through the fire to get some labels tore off of you and burned off of you, but that's okay, because we need to show that God, to others that God is a God of miracles, God is a God of healing, God is a God of breakthrough, and God is a God of deliverance. Amen? Amen. So we go on in Scripture, in Daniel chapter 2. The Bible says that the, because you had Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Michelle, and Azariah, and you had these four Ju uh, Jewish men that were leaders. They were promoted. They were leaders in this Babylonian empire. But the Bible teaches us that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of this image, and he had. And uh, I, I might not can go over it all in detail, but it represented different kingdoms and different e empires. The head was a head of gold, and then you had uh, silver and brass and clay and all this stuff. It had all these different substances of this image. And, and it freaked him out. It confused him. He called for wizards. He called for witches, warlocks, whatever you want to call them. He tried any way, magicians, he tried any way in the world to try to get this revelation. But they could not get it. But they got a hold of Daniel. And Daniel went to these three Hebrew men and said, hey, guys, help me pray that God will reveal to me this mystery. And God gave him the revelation of this mystery that there was, a, there was a kingdom of Babylon that would be taken over by the Medo-Persian Empire, that would be taken over by the Grecian Empire, that would be taken over by the Roman Empire, and then, the, then down the road there would be an Antichrist government that would take over. But all of a sudden there was a stone rolling down the mountain whose kingdom there would be no end that would take it all out. 
I, I, again, I've read the front of the book, I've read the middle of the book, and I've read the end of the book. We win. Right? We're more than conquerors through him that loved us, right? And so he gave him the breakdown of what this dream meant. And I could put the image up and break it all down for you. But for the sake of time, I don't want to be distracted with that. But anyway, it just symbolized and signified that God's kingdom would end at the end, right? And so the Bible teaches us in a few years later, he designed an image of gold. Isn't it interesting that King Nebuchadnezzar made an entire image out of the very thing of this dream? that Daniel had of a head of gold because he had enough sense to know that is my kingdom and I'm going to make a whole image representing that. Amen? Did you catch that, right? And maybe gold was their primary economy, currency, whatever, and I understand all that. But I believe deep down he knew this represented my kingdom and I'm going to make an image that represents my entire kingdom and everybody under my authority is going to bow to this image. Can you imagine that this would be the same furnace that the three Hebrew boys were thrown in? Have you ever thought about that, right? The same very fire and furnace that made this image was the same fire these three Hebrew boys were thrown in because the fiery trials that you go through will either create a false image that you bow to, uh, ideas, ideologies, philosophies, or to prove who God is. Amen. Either you can look at your op uh, look at opposition, adversity that you face and say, I'm going to try to fight my way through this and try to figure this out. Or you can say this is an opportunity for God to show himself strong and mighty whose hearts are perfect towards him. I'd rather bow to that God than bow to a God that cannot speak, that cannot hear, that cannot talk, because that's what a lot of church people are bowing their knee to. They hear the worship music play. And then they bow their knee to a God they cannot feel, a God that does not hear them, a God that, de that does not see their need, a God that is not touched by the feeling of their infirmity. Are you with me? A God that does not. If our God is that kind of God, then that's not a real God. But I want the God who delivers by fire, and I want the God who answers by fire. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But anyway, so God gave Daniel this revelation. He reveals it to the king. He promotes Daniel. And then we find ourselves in chapter 3, where he makes an entire image out of this thing, out of this dream. Amen. When God gives you dreams and visions, it's to not lift you up and to exalt you. It's to show the greatness of the rock rolling down the mountaintop. Amen. Hallelujah. It's to show the goodness and greatness of Jesus, right? So he, uh, so they, they, they wrote this law and people would bow, but there were three men that were in political authority in the kingdom. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that would not bow. They refused to honor not just this idol, but any false and foreign God that they had to offer. Amen. Daniel wasn't thrown in the fire, but he would eventually be thrown in the lion's den because he refused to stop praying to his God, right? But the Bible teaches us that they refused to bow, and they brought him to the king, and the king was angry. And as the scripture said, when the music plays and the worship sounds and goes forth towards this idol that represents my kingdom, do you not bow? He said, you know what? He said, we know God's going to deliver you, deliver us from the fire you're going to throw us in. But even if he doesn't do it, we're going to go down knowing that he's able to do it. And we refuse to bow and burn. Listen, 
Faith is believing that God's going to move for you and what you've been praying for, God's going to do it. But trusting God is saying, even if God doesn't answer my prayer, I'm going to believe in him that his will is higher than my will. His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. His mind is greater than my mind. His plans are bigger than mine. So listen, a lot of people have a faith in God, but they don't know how to trust God. They don't know how to trust God. I'm going to declare and believe God's going to heal and deliver. We're going to see manifestation of miracles. But if it doesn't happen the way I anticipate, it's okay because I'm going to trust God. We're going to weather through this storm and everything is going to be all right. Amen. Some people don't know how to trust God because they feel they've, they've let because they've been failed by other people in different areas of their life. But can I tell you, God is bigger than people, man. God is bigger than you. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He's the king of universe and God will not fail us. God will not forsake us. God will never leave us. He's there for us. And if God be for us, the Bible says, who or what can stand against us? You know how you build trust relationship, right? Build relationship with God. How do you build faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. If I want to grow my faith, I need to get in the word. But if I want to grow my trust, I've got to get in prayer and devotion. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So I want to trust God today. Now, that does not mean that everything that happens in your life is the will of God. Let me say that. The Bible says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Does that happen? No. Because there are things that happen that is not God's will. Amen? Amen. Can I tell you, not everything that happens in our life is God's will. We live in a cursed world, and as I've preached and as I've told and as I've talked about, God is not in control. He is in charge. He gave authority back to us. That's why he told Joshua, you will make your own way successful if you meditate on my word day and night. So in other words, if you're not successful in your career, you've got nobody else to look at but yourself. You can't blame the government. You can't blame the economy. If you don't make it in professional sports, you can't say, well, I wasn't given an opportunity because you make your way successful. Y'all quiet on me. Are you with me? Because there has to be a point in time where you have to just, uh, just pick yourself up and realize, hey, maybe if I would have ate better, maybe I wouldn't have all these aches in my body. I don't want to eat good, so I can be real with y'all, Right? I can be real with you, right? But we got to understand, look, maybe if we eat healthier, we'll be healthier. Faith without works is what? It's dead, right? There are things that happen that is not God's will. But I can tell you this, if we pray according to his will, he hears us. When we pray like Jesus prayed, he hears us. If we develop a relationship with God, we won't be confused about what's going on, but we'll be able to identify and know his will in situations. Right? Are you with me? As I mentioned before, we want a God who's in control so we can have someone to blame when things don't go our way. But he said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Amen. I know I'm rehearsing this, that whatever you bind on earth, 
is bound in heaven and whatever you loose upon earth is loosed in heaven. He said, I've given the authority back to you. You use it. So if the city's in bad shape, if the church is in bad shape, if the school's in bad shape, if your home's in bad shape, there is no one to blame, not the devil. The devil's defeated. Jesus didn't say it's partially done. He said it is finished. He meant what he said. I've read the book. We win. He's cast out devils. He drove them out everywhere he went. So either we run the devil out or we welcome him in. Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah. You give the devil any room, you just take authority, right? Don't give the devil any room to operate. Don't give him residence in your mind. Take back your thoughts. Don't give him residence in the sense of your spirit. Watch what you listen to in music. Watch what you watch on TV. Come on, somebody. Because, if there's, because there are demonic anointings. That bring curses. Amen. If you're listening to music that speaks that you need to get drunk, that you need to get high, that you need to kill someone, that you need to kill yourself, that you need to go and divorce, then that's a sin. That's what you're welcoming into your spirit. Amen. Are you with me? So you need to fill your mind with worship. You need to fill your heart with worship. You need to fill your spirit with the word of God and not compromise. It's worth going through the fire to not compromise your faith so you can show everybody else around you how good and great God really is. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So they said, we'll not bow. We trust God. If we burn up, it's okay. We're going to spend eternity in the presence of God one day anyways. It's okay. He said, all right. He got mad. He said, heat this thing seven times hotter. Amen. Than what it needs to be. So they put, can I tell you, they did not add fire to create more fire. They put in more combustible stuff to increase the heat of the flame. You don't get fired up for God. Because you get around people, it's on fire. You get fired up for God because you can put some more sacrifice on the altar. Because eventually, you, won't, you may not have brother or sister so-and-so who is on fire to call on. So you're going to have to get in your prayer calls and say, I'm going to lay this pride on the altar. I'm going to lay this lust on the altar. I'm going to lay this greed on the altar. I'm going to lay this anxiety and depression and fear on the altar so the fire can burn and never go out. Are you with me? It's time to get on fire for him again. But the fire goes out if you don't put something on it. You need to put some wood in there. You need to put some coal in there. Hallelujah. Are you with me? They didn't add fire to this to heat it up. They put more stuff in there to get it hotter. Amen. They put some stuff in there that caused some explosion to go on. And when they threw, when these uh, people threw them in, they tied them up, they bound their clothes, they bound them up with whether it's ropes or chains, I'm not sure what they would have used, but they bound them up, amen, and threw them into the fire. And the fire was so hot, it threw them. That's why you got to be careful who you try to put in the fire. You got to be careful who you talk about. You got to be careful what you do to other people because you're trying to put them through trials. Listen, you got to get people out of a box and you've got to get God out of a box. Because you heard someone say something about somebody doesn't mean you know all about their life. 
You can take a 30-second snippet of a YouTube video of, 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 uh, of the president and government and think you got all his policies figured out. You can take a 30-second or a minute, minute uh, video of a preacher and think you got his whole message figured out. And take the whole thing out of context just to find a way to throw them in the fire. And what you do is you're going to burn up from the very thing you're going to try to put them through. Amen? That's why preachers... Well, be careful. There's a preacher that and very well known that threw someone in the fire for that for adultery and then he gets caught with a prostitute. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Go ahead and talk about this television preacher about how they were committing adultery, and then three or four years down the road, you're caught in adultery. Right? Why? Because you got to get your tongue off people. Right? Preaching down other people does not build the kingdom of God. Preaching down a denomination does not build the kingdom of God. Preaching down a Baptist theology, a Pentecostal theology, a Methodist theology, a Catholic theology, none of it does any good for the kingdom of God. Maybe they have a dimension of God you've just not tapped into yet and you just need to listen. Amen. In other words, be careful what you say and be careful what you do. That's why you need to live, as Brandon was praying earlier, we need to lift our pastors and ministers up in prayer. Because you don't know what people go home to. You don't know what people go through when no one else is watching. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if I was pastor, I'd do it this way. Well, maybe he should do it that way or they should do it that way. Well, I'll tell you what. How about we all just step up and fill our role in the kingdom of God and stop expecting pastor so-and-so to do everything. Amen. If you see something I'm missing or you're seeing something an elder's missing or a deacon's missing or something, won't you fill the void? Because we need everybody. Amen. Are you with me? If you've got a suggestion, if that's your heart, tell me about it. I'll bless you and pray for you and you just run with it. Amen. Because it's about winning souls and growing the kingdom of God. And if I'm missing something real bad, then just pray for me. Right? If your pastors are missing something, just pray for them. Your elders, just pray for them. Right? Amen. Stop throwing people in the fire. Fiery trials is what I mean, creating chaos. But anyway, the Bible teaches us they were thrown in the fire. And they should have burned up, but they didn't. God shielded the flames. And uh, the king looked down in the furnace. He said, we would not cast three men in the fire. And he said, yeah, that's true. We cast three men in there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, the three guys that refused to bow to you and made you angrier than, a, than the heat of these flames. Yeah, that, them guys. He said, well, I see four men, and they're all loose. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their clothes didn't burn up. Their, their skin didn't melt. Their hair didn't singe and burn up. You know what happened? Their chains burnt. Their ropes burnt. It's the only thing that burned off them was what held them bound. Sometimes you may go through some stuff you don't understand, but it's to refine you. Is to set you free of some stuff because God wants to expose some things in you that you need to lay down in his feet to be whole in him. I don't want God to just heal us. I want God to make us whole, right? It's more than just being saved. It's being equipped with the mind of Christ. It's not just God delivering you and saving you one time at an altar. It's about God pulling, pulling those things out that needs to be free in your life so you can live in the fullness of Jesus, the fullness of the Spirit of God. Are you with me? That changed the only thing that fell off and the Bible says, he said, Lo, I see four men loose, and the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, whether this was the pre-incarnate Jesus or this was an angel, I'm not real sure. Uh, you know, he later said there was an angel delivered him. All I know is God delivered him. 
All I know is God showed up. If you actually, if you looked up angel, uh, the word angel in the, in the Hebrew here, I believe the Hebrew word was makar. You know what it translates to? King, teacher, priest. So maybe it was Jesus. Right? So I'm talking about the miracles of Jesus, right? So maybe, maybe it was Jesus. But I, I, what I find very interesting is when they were, these three men were coming out, the fourth man didn't come out there with him because he's still in the fire. There's a fourth man in the fire, y'all. What am I saying? He's, he's there waiting on you. You said, I can't find God. I can't find God. He's right there beside you, and he's there setting you free from the chains that hold you bound. Amen. And listen to me. You know how you get in those, in those fiery trials? It's because of your unwillingness to compromise, right? There's a price to pay to not compromise your faith, not compromise your conviction, not compromise in different areas of your life. And you may have to go through the fire, but is it worth going through it? To see a king be awakened to the delivering power of Jesus. Is it worth going through stuff so people could look and say, man, that had to be God that delivered you. That had to be God to set you free. Would you be willing to go through some stuff if it meant changing laws in the land? Would you be willing to go through some things to change our culture and our community and our region for the glory of God? I don't know what you're going through this morning, but just know he's in the fire with you. And that you're not alone. Amen? Just know that you're not alone. I wasn't long-winded this morning. I'm almost done. I'd like to get the worship team to come up and give you a chance to pray this morning. But God wants to just move for you today. And God wants to set you free. And I hope I said something that may be a help and encourage, an encouragement to you. Amen? I was reading... Close with this. I don't know if, uh, what, uh, if they, them guys got it on a PowerPoint or not, but I want to share something with you here at the end of this message. Um, I was reading uh, Perry Stone commentary. Amen. How many like Perry Stone? I love Perry Stone. I was, uh, I was, uh, when I was a kid growing up, um, as a teenager in high school, and uh, I would sit uh, with DVDs of Perry Stone. I'd take a two-hour DVD, and I'd sit there and watch it for 10 hours. And I'd take every few minutes, rewind, because if you ever listen to Perry, you know you can't consume what everything Perry had to say. So I would listen a minute, rewind, listen, write it down. I've, in that office over there, I've got notebooks thick of, of DVDs I'd watch. And there's a lot of things that I, I was a big eschatology dude. I could break it down for you like you know, pretty good, but because I was a student of his, basically, and and uh, I told mom because uh, I was like, I was like, hey, I know you've got because he came out with an Old Testament commentary. I said, hey, can I borrow your Old Testament commentary? She said, well, I got you one for your birthday. You want to go ahead and give it to you? I said, no. I said that would spoil my birthday. Let me just borrow yours. And so, and I I got it, and it was this thick Old Testament commentary. It's like good night. This is bigger than a whole Bible, and he's got a commentary on the Old Testament. But anyway, I thought this was interesting. I want to share this with you in Daniel chapter 3 as we get ready to close. There's a reason I'm sharing this. But, uh, but in Daniel chapter 3, it correlates with the book of Revelation. A lot of things, a lot of snippets in there, a lot of uh, imagery in there that I want to share with you. In Daniel 3, 1, there was an image with men worshiping. But in Revelation 13, 14 through 15, there's an image of the beast that people worship. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, the image is 60 cubits by 6 cubits. Revelation 13 and 18, the beast's number is 666. Now, can I, I want to throw something at you on this. Um, 
if you're if you go to checkout line and your and your food is six dollars and sixty six cents, quit freaking out. Gosh, it gets on my nerves. It really does. It bothers me. Six six. Like oh my gosh, my meal is six. Can you add a coke, just so it won't be six sixty six? Like dude, you have victory in Jesus. Who cares? Like who cares? Uh, some of you may not realize this, but on, on your barcodes of the products you buy, the first two of the barcode, the middle of the barcode, and the end of the barcode does not have a number on it because it's recognized as 666. In case y'all didn't know that, just a little food for thought. So, but makes you, makes you, I mean, it's just interesting, just food for thought. People don't realize that, oh, never, never noticed that. Look at the barcode, nothing on the front, nothing on the middle, nothing on the end. So, yeah, that should freak you out. Why don't you just freak out and not buy anything? Go open a farm. I mean, you know. But anyway, this is a food, food for thought. Just do some research. Daniel 3, 4 through 6. Those not worshiping the image are to be killed. In Revelation 13 and 15, those not worshiping the image are killed. Daniel 3, 19. The furnace is heated seven times harder. In Revelation 11, 2 and 13, 5, the tribulation is seven years. In Daniel 3, 23 through 25, these men survived the fire and live. And in Revelation 7, a remnant survives during the tribulation. In Daniel 3, 20 through 22, the enemies are thrown into the fire. In Revelation 19 and 20, the beast and false prophet are cast into the fire. I read the end of the book. <laughs> I read the middle. We win. We win. I read that because... We're, in, we're, we're still in biblical times, whether you realize it or not. And there's things that's been fulfilled, and there's things still being fulfilled, and there's things going to be fulfilled. And I can sit here and tell you, man, um, I don't know when, all, when a lot more of this stuff is going to just come just going on the scene. But I can tell you that you're going to go through some stuff, and it takes his presence to make it. And you may go through some fiery trials, but you're going to make it. You've heard me share this, and I'll share this again. There, and I like this little story, but there was a silversmith that was uh, refining silver, and he's putting it over the fire and just at the right spot. And someone asked him, said, how do I know when it's completely refined and when you're done? He said, when I take it out and I can see the, the pure reflection, my reflection in it. You go through the fire to be refined so that you can be a mere reflection of who Jesus is. So those ropes that have you bound melt in those flames and burn up and that you can recognize that God is in the fire with you and that you're not alone. And then when you come out of that trial, you come out stronger and better because you've been in the fire with him and you're just going to look just like him. Amen. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you just speak to our hearts. You're a God of miracles. You shield the flames. I thank you, God, that you're not bound in the flame, but you're free, and you bring freedom to other people. There's freedom in the fire today. So, Father, I just pray that you minister to hearts, that you would touch and deal with us today, that you speak to our hearts. If there's anyone that doesn't know you, let them come to know you and set some people free here today. 
in the name of Jesus. I want, I want every, everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes and just begin to pray and meditate and look at your life. If there's anyone in this room today that could say, I, I'm not saved or I really question where I am with God. I'm not living for Him as I should. I've never prayed to be saved. I've never prayed to be born again. I've never had that encounter and experience with God. And um, I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for a shift. I'm ready for a transformation today. If that's you, just lift your hand to heaven and say, that's me, anybody in this room. They could say, I need to be saved. Thank you, Jesus. I need to be born again. I need deliverance. I need saved. Can I tell you, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. And he wants to, he wants to save you today. His word says, if you, confess, if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, he said, you'll be saved. You may put your hands down. God's speaking to you today. I just want to encourage you to not leave the same way you came. We'll help you pray. We're right here with you. God loves you so much. And he's ready to say, set you free and deliver you and save you today. If you're in this room and you could say, Pastor Justin, I've been going through a fiery trial. I've struggled. I've wept. I've cried. I've been broken. I've been hurt. But I'm ready to be refined. I'm ready for these chains to break off. And I'm ready to see the revelation that God is with me. And, and I'm ready to come through this and show others the greatness of my God. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Anybody in this room, you're going through a fiery trial and you need the help and grace of God today. He's here for you. He's with you. I want to encourage you. You may put your hands down. I don't care if you're singing, playing in the sound room. I don't care what label or title you got. I don't care what you're going through. Today is your day of freedom. I just want to ask you, would you leave your seat? Would you come to this altar? We're here to help you pray. Would you come? You need, you need victory in your life. He's a God of victory. He's a God of healing. He's a God of deliverance. If you don't want to come up by yourself, just ask someone beside you or in front of you or behind you. Say, will you go up here and help me pray today? Will you go with me? I want to, I want to be saved today. I want to be set free today. I want, to be, I want to make it through this trial today. I want victory in my life. I want peace in my life. I want joy in my life. Would you come? Would you come? I want healing in my life. Would you come and pray, man? Would you come? I believe God is speaking to some people. Would you come? Would you come? I believe this word is some, for some people today. Would you come today? This altar is open for any need. If you need prayer, just line up from. We'll pray with you. But this altar is open for any need today. Let's all find a place and pray. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. If you need to be saved, come. If you need to be transformed, if you need to be born again, come. The altar's open for you. If you're going through a fiery trial, come, come, come. He's here. Hallelujah. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to Our Father's House. KY.org.